Hello and welcome to Dead Darlings Podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Laurie Eves. And I'm Hannah Hutzber. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration and above all, awesome poetry from the spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month, we're only going to go and be interviewing Selena Blimmin' Godden. This month's poem of the month is by Beth Hartley, recorded live at the Poetry Graduation Party 2021. And we'll be giving you a sneak preview of our book review episode where we'll be chatting about Hero Lindsay Bird by Hero Lindsay Bird. That will be out later in the month. I was just thinking, wouldn't it be funny if Hero Lindsay Bird was actually by Caroline Duffy or something like that? <laughs> or Caroline Bird. Caroline, but oh, Caroline Bird's next book should be called Hero Lindsay Bird. That would be funny. Um, but first, what have you guys all been up to since the last episode? I went to a poetry gig, guys. I went, I went to an actual real life poetry gig. I was only there for about 20 minutes, but man, <laughs> I went to a poetry gig. Uh, I went to L. Dylan Reams' book launch for her new collection, Maladaptive, which is out on Verve Poetry Press. Ooh. Um, which was exciting and interesting to go to. I actually, I had to rush off. So I only saw, uh, <laughs> I saw Kayla Martel Feldman and another poet whose name is escaping me, who was excellent uh, doing the support and didn't actually see Elle, oh, but no. I read the book. So, <laughs> you know, supported in that way. <laughs> so that was good. Which is um, it's better than me because I, w- I was ill and I couldn't make it. Elle is someone who I've absolutely loved I've, I think I've only seen her at Genesis, but like she kills it every time. So, yeah, a full length yeah. collection, whole whole. I am excited to get a hold of that. Yeah, and she comes very much from a kind of dramatic theatre background. So, like her her poems almost operate as mini plays that she will almost be doing characters with physicality on stage and different voices. So, I'd be mm-hmm. really interested to see how that's going to work in the, on the page, and like it's going to work well on the page. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very mm. excited about reading that book. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cool one. I've been reading that. I've also been reading um I've been reading an anthology that came out last year uh that you guys might have heard of. It's called Too Young, Too Loud, Too Different. Have you heard about that? That's the Malaika's Poetry Kitchen one, is it? Ah. It is the Malaika's yeah. Poetry Kitchen one. Yeah, um which our past guest and friend of the show Hannah Gordon uh has a poem in, a haiku uh in the middle of this uh, of this book. It's great. It's in, it's a really interesting collection, actually. I'm not usually a massive fan of anthologies, but having the through line of these are all poets that have been part of this collective over the now two decades that it's been running is a really nice way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it begins with this section that is literally just telling you about the history of Malika's Poetry Kitchen. Um, and it's brilliant. It's so nice to have a, a history lesson about, <laughs> you know, sort of spoken word but not history as in old and boring as in this is what's been going on for the last 20 years and that's how we've been a- arrived at where Malika's Poetry Kitchen is now yeah, yeah where you have um you know Roger Robinson who co-founded it with Malika winning the T.S. Eliot prize and things like that and it's tell the it's worth it for the introduction alone where it just <laughs> tells you about hey here's how this thing happened um and it's it's a really good read. I haven't finished reading it, uh, but it's worth it for the intro alone, which is great. Mm. I've also been reading this book by Nine Arches Press, who we've had we did How to Be a Poet a couple of months back on mm. the um, on the sh- on the book club. I've been reading one another one of their kind of 
writing manual books called The Craft, which is edited by Rishi Dastida. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that name, um, which is a really interesting book. Um, it's, it's all essays by different poets about different elements of poetry and what makes craft in poetry. Um, and yeah, it's been a really interesting one to read um, so far. I'm le- I'd am i say the one thing that's a little bit maybe less fortunate about it for me is that it started by having a really great introduction by Will Harris and then goes into a lot of stuff about form and the form stuff is interesting and it is good but leading with the form stuff is a bit of a that could turn people off <laughs> yeah it's quite a do your algebra before we can do the fun stuff isn't it yeah whereas the rest of it seems to be more about kind of um about the practice of writing poetry rather than the nuts and bolts of here's how a sustainer works so i'm excited to get to that stuff in the book um and maybe i'll talk about it next month once i've got to that stuff um also got a new video out with muddy feet poetry Ooh, you can go and check cool. out on their youtube channel it's me doing three poems from biceps um, that we recorded last year and uh yeah it came out okay so that's nice awesome excellent cool how about you hannah um what have i been up to i have sold my first book via my online poetry shop i know right i went to the post office with it yesterday i was delighted um amazing (laughs) and it's from someone i do not know i was mouthing off on twitter that's even better and as a result i sold a book so that's not why i'm on twitter but like hey uh isn't it isn't it? It's, I mean, that is why one mouths off on Twitter for no, self-promotion purposes, mostly, right? Like costs many pounds an hour. <laughs> yeah, and you got a tenner for selling a book, yeah. so... Um, uh, what else have I done? I was at a gig last night, which was a lot of fun, which was the Poetry Shack. Um, this is the event which oh. booked me and Michael Rosen on the same bill, but then had to cancel because of Unronicon. Um but I am hopefully going to be on the same bill as Michael Rosen at some point later in the year. And in the meantime, um, I went to a lovely night where um, we the headliner was Claire Pollard, who I had not okay. heard before, but is, yeah, I would define as more page-based than stage-based, but like had some absolutely incredible stuff um, and some really, really good open mic, including um, one of the regulars at Insight, what I host, who... I've seen Lee Campbell online almost monthly <laughs> for nearly two years, but I didn't know, for example, how tall he is. <laughs> so it was really nice actually <laughs> okay. having an in-person... You don't get a sense of depth from a webcam, do you? Yeah, yeah. So I, it was... <laughs> the Z-axis and the Y-axis <laughs> are not there. Yeah, so it was it was really nice. Um, um, yeah, a nice in-person gig, some really incredible open micers, um, nice host, Jack Shemash. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I hadn't realised it was Burns Night until one poet came out with a tartan scarf and did some Burns-esque riffing pieces. And then the mm-hmm. host started throwing out haggises to the audience. They were extremely wrapped in plastic. Wow. Um, I am the only omnivore of the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm seeing all your faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> personally i was delighted <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah um um yeah so that that was i love a vegan haggis by the way yeah, just uh, yeah. 
yeah. to clarify. Yeah. I've never had a real one, but I quite like the veggie ones. I've no idea. I like I like what it is. I don't know if mm. I like the thing it's pretending to be. But mm. when I'm in Edinburgh, I go to that uh, baked potato shop where you can have ve- vegan haggis on your baked potato. Oh my god, yeah. The baked potato yep. shop. You know the one yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about, Hannah. Yep. We spent many times in that oh. potato shop. <laughs> and the other thing I have been doing um, this month is sometime around Christmas, I had a brainwave about whether or not I want to do a master's in creative writing. And I'm still weighing it up and I haven't ruled it out. But um, Jesus Christ, going back to university and not earning money when you're in your 30s and used to. I don't know, finally having a living wage. So I've I'm way I'm looking at different other opportunities one way or the other. Um and like looking at some things like courses, because I this will not be a surprise to you guys because we had a discussion over lunch not that long ago. Um we met in person. We had lunch, by the way. We should put yeah. that on the notice board we of what we, what we did other. this month. We actually saw each other in it person and had lunch. Yes. Um but yeah, I after some discussions with a few people, um, including yourselves, um, yeah, I've come to the conclusion that things like Arvon fees versus university fees mm-hmm. yeah. actually make it... Arvon feels expensive until you put it against a master's, going yeah. to university. Right. So yeah, I haven't, I haven't made any serious commitments. I've started doing the odd application for opportunities that look a bit more fancy slash I might teach someone and do a thing. Like... I have no idea if those will be successful or not, but yeah, I'm starting to take a slightly more planned, okay, I'm taking this seriously, I enjoy this, I want to progress it, what does that look like, approach. And at the moment, it looks a hell of a lot like job hunting, and I hate job hunting. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I am excited to see where that goes. Cool. How about you, Rebecca? Uh, fuck all. Honestly, I am becoming a bit of a hermit and I'm not happy about that. But my, I think mentally my brain's just like, let's, we'll just get January out of the way. I think mm. it, it didn't help that we had press week at work. Um, and that does tend to suck in a lot of energy and effort. And I've had a big story popping off this week. But um, no one's suing me so far. So that's good. Um, okay. Yeah, it's all good. It's all right. It's uh, Laurie's looking really worried. This is not but... poetry related. No, this by is not the way, poetry guys. related. This is this is. People tend not poems to see you about your poems usually. No. <laughs> but no. That's right. That's why. Um. But yes. Yeah, so so that's that's been good. I've not been sued yet. But yeah, I've just been very very fucking busy. So I'm mentally going. February is when I will get back into stuff. Um, I have yeah. started on my quest to get 100 rejections, though. I have applied for a few okay. things that I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have done otherwise without this. What, what kind of thing have you applied for? Uh, I sent a couple of poems into the latest Dear Damsels, which I love mm. Dear Damsels. If you don't know them, they are a women's writing collective. They publish online and they also publish anthologies. Uh, both Hannah and mm-hmm. I have been published by them. Um, and um, really, really kind of just cool website full of really interesting women's writing. Um and um yeah wasn't entirely happy with the two i put up but quite pleased with myself in that like yeah like one piece was kind of cut from a longer performance piece poem that i'm writing and i think it it might be that the whole thing needs to just come out and actually it was a poem on its own that i sort of stumbled into by accident yeah pleased (laughs) with myself for noticing that Um, it was you were supposed to be talking about the big bang and you're fucking on about castles what yeah two different poems mate yeah uh so quite pleased myself on that front uh whether it gets through or not is another matter so yeah um and there's still a couple more i need to i need to um submit for uh this weekend um 
So, yeah, mm. we'll cool. see. Um, I mean, putting in time on editing and things is great. Are you finding word limits tricky? Because I've, whenever I've tried to submit, there's usually 42 lines or 50 lines. They'll have some quite, which they'll have often a line limit, which for spoken word is really incredibly short. That's like... Mm. Not for me. Yeah. No, Laurie is, Laurie is yeah, stripped right. down, punk, two minutes. You smug, pithy bastard. <laughs> If it's longer than four lines, I'm not happy with it. <laughs> yes, and I think that has been part of this, like, you know, and it kind of got interrupted by the pandemic that I was starting to have a bit of a, okay, how do I make my stuff work on the page mm. kind of soul-searching thing? And then the pandemic stole all of my brain space and yeah. parted in it. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that is, yeah, it's kind of a continuation of that. And yeah, I agree, like, there are things where, um, where they go no more than 50 lines and you're like, okay, that's a lot of mine out. Can I... Do I need... Can I combine those two lines? How, line, how long can you make these lines? Right. <laughs> that is often my edit. It's like removing line breaks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is also something that actually interested to chat to you about. That one thing that a couple of people have said to me is, oh, when performance poets submit work on the page, the lines are really, really long. I actually mm-hmm. have the opposite thing. My lines are very short. And I don't know if that's because I, I used to write a lot during my commute on my phone. So you naturally <laughs> press return more. I don't know. Or if I just think in quite staccato lines. I think. But yeah, I people I, I've been talked by a few different people um, who know what the, they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? In terms of knowing performance poets and publishing and stuff like that. But I just that's just not true for me. And I just, yeah. So my thought is that often performance poets when they try and translate the work for the page put line breaks in when they would pause when Mm. they're speaking so if it's a poem that's got lots of kind of pauses in it or little moments where in your head you're moving from one bit to the next there's a natural tendency to put a line break there Mm. but actually it's not always what's best for the poem I don't think but it's interesting that that's something that comes up it's a point yeah what do what do performance poets pages look like <laughs> I, yeah. would, I would be interested to have a like yeah hashtag share your poems like no nah, that's not a good hashtag but like yeah <laughs> yeah because that's not something you see right <laughs> yeah. yeah no i just yeah. Yeah, and like people go away and they edit it before they put it on the page rather than showing you what it is they're reading from or what it is they're yeah. memorising mm. from, you know, how they how they actually just put it down to preserve it rather than to actually share it. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so yes, that's that's been my month. More musing than, than actually getting okay. out and seeing things and performing. But uh, Musing's good. Yeah, mm. that, that hopefully will change uh, next month. Um, right. Guys, we haven't talked about yet the most important thing of probably our entire lives in poetry, which is that, well, I mean, Rebecca's looking kind of suspicious now. I'm not looking suspicious. Um, I, I want to know where this is going. I, I you just, want to know where this I, is my, going? My brain's provided several wrong answers for me. Um. <laughs> okay, I hate to think what those are, but they can make a great list poem. Um, guys, our last month book club, Joelle Taylor, we did the book club, we recorded it. We said, if this doesn't win the T.S. Eliot Prize where we're all going to jump in the River Thames and swim out through it all the way through Ken, out into the sea, carry on to the next country and protest. 
thankfully we don't have to do that <laughs> yeah, because Joel Taylor only went and won the T.S. Eliot Prize. I mean, I've been having a look and I can't find that footage, Laurie, but yeah. okay. <laughs> we must have edited it out. I but would laugh also, and I know what the Thames is like. I am not, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> volunteering to go in it. But, but fuck the Thames, Joel Taylor. I would like to collect all of my told you so points. That yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, Hannah, are you sure you want to pick the same poet twice for book of the month? Fuck yes, I do, and here's why. <laughs> I mean, currently, currently we're two for two. If we do one off the T. S. Eliot shortlist, it wins. We did Roger That's Robinson true. when it was on the shortlist, and it won. We did a, a portable paradise. I mean, we've only won it. Off, have we? No, we haven't only won it after they've been announced on the shortlist. Because Roger Robinson, we did it before it was on mm-hmm. the shortlist. I think. Oh, was it? I thought oh. it was Can't on remember. the shortlist already. Yeah, can't I can't remember. Okay. But, yes. but before he'd won, definitely. Yeah. Before he'd won, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's, I mean, it's so, so fucking deserved. And just Joelle Taylor, like the footage of her, like just bursting into tears and then just swearing at everybody and being fucking <laughs> brilliant because she is, was just the, the most like heartwarming, joyous thing. And I have been seeing on social media various poets paying tribute with everyone coming forward with their story about the time that Joelle Taylor said something insightful, encouraging, maybe a bit challenging about this thing you do is yeah. really good, here's how you can up it, or what you <laughs> this thing you do is really good, you could be looking at such and such. And like there are, I feel like everyone was so delighted for Joelle also because she has one way or another mentored so many people or given so many people encouragement and... The the depth of support and warmth and good feeling towards her when Mm. she won was was just beautiful. Like it was It was an amazing, beautiful thing to turn on the laptop and go on um, social media and just see floods and floods of this is brilliant mm. for everybody for so many mm-hmm. reasons and to see everybody for a change just so happy <laughs> and sharing their happiness about it yeah. not griping not nobody you know nobody doing a we, we tend to only unite in these ways when there's something bad happening <laughs> so yeah. it's beautiful to see our community or i can't think of anybody who wasn't just absolutely ecstatic for it yeah. because Joelle's been such an important figure for so long in the community and mm. finally you know, not that she wasn't already recognised in a lot of important ways but to get that level of yeah, recognition yeah. Mm. is outstanding yeah. and so deserved yeah, yeah and, and like you said like there just this was this sense of being part of a community mm. yeah and that was really lovely as well like definitely oh, that was so, such a lovely yes. start to the poetry year one way or the other it kind of yeah. feels like we all won a race <laughs> well, our football yeah, team won genuinely. in some way yeah. <laughs> oh is this what it feels like is this why people are that excited okay that is why but yeah that that's a great analogy Hannah. <laughs> it did feel like your football team winning it felt yeah. like something that not that you know, i would like had... start dissing raymond antropus fans in a pub or anything like everyone no. else yeah, on no. the list was excellent. <gasps> poetry hooliganism <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh hey, hey. three brawl at poets. Get rec- your sonnets out for the lads. Brawl at poets recital. Three policemen oh, bitten. Po- three bitten is my <laughs> favourite headline of all time. It is framed at some San Francisco bookshop, and it's got poetry. It's that. got police. It's got playground violence. 
it's got playground violence Everything happening to loves. police i'm delighted yeah. <laughs> um all in one place you're going home in iambic pentameter <laughs> guys i think we need to rename this podcast <laughs> poetry hooliganism no you're going home in iambic pentameter <laughs> amazing uh, i am very pleased with that <laughs> Right, on that wonderful, joyous, raucous note, <laughs> shall we do an interview with Let's. Selena motherfucking Godden? Let's do an interview with Selena motherfucking Godden. <laughs> this month's interview is with Selena Godden. Selena Godden is a London-based poet and novelist. She's also an activist, broadcaster, essayist, songwriter and memoirist. Her work has been widely anthologised and she has had several volumes of poetry published, including Fishing in the Aftermath, Poems 1994-2014, Pessimism is for Lightweights, and a literary childhood memoir, Springfield Road. She has recorded several albums and most recently her spoken word album Livewire, out on Nymphs and Thugs, was shortlisted for the Ted Hughes Award in 2017. She was elected as a Fellow of the Royal Society of Literature in 2020. Her debut novel, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death, was published in January 2021 by Canongate, and the paperback edition is out this month. The novel follows the titular character, Mrs. Death, the woman who is death, and a poet, Wolf Williford, who's attempting to capture her experience and write her memoirs. Uh, Selena, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. I'm a big fan. Hello. That's really lovely to hear. We're big fans too. (laughs) Yes, the feeling is very mutual. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, So we were wondering if uh, you could kick off by sharing a poem with our listeners or an extract from uh, Mrs Death. Yeah, I thought I would read a a little extract from the book. Um, I thought I'd do this little bit where where Wolf um, is walking through East London and uh, Wolf is the young writer um, and uh, and we'll go on to write Mrs Death's memoirs and uh, Wolf's walking through East London Wait, what was that? I feel as though someone is there. In fact, I feel sure I'm not alone. Suddenly, it occurs to me, it isn't my hangover walking with me, but someone. I'm not alone at all. Something, somebody is with me. I stop walking and listen again. I turn my head and hear something. It is like a buzzing a vibration echoing back to me and itself. I put my hands out, some cold air. Then a something, someone else is there. Some thing, someone touches me. Cold air on my cheek, their fingers. A small hand brushes my hand. Slight, light, the weight of a spider's web. There and not there. I stand dead still and try to look normal and nod my head as though I'm having a normal thought so nobody will see me holding hands with air or someone or something that is or isn't there. London is carrying on being London. That part is normal. Nothing to see here. The traffic is being the traffic and the noise is the noise. But here I am by Bow Road Tube Station and I'm frozen to the spot holding hands with a wind and with nothing that feels like it is here and it is everything. There is nothing to see, nobody there, but there is. Here she is. I know a lot of dead people now. I hear her voice for the first time. 
I know a lot of dead people now. I'm into that. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, for letting me read that. Thank you. That's all right. We're going to do an interview now. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, you, it's, it's awesome when a when a poet mic drops and like just like whoa, I'm done. But we <laughs> <laughs> and by then, <laughs> see you then. Thanks. <laughs> That's all the words you're getting. I'm charging by by the word. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Selena, thanks for joining us. Um, we usually ask our poets um, and our guests how they first got into poetry as a starting question. So we're going to go with that, if that's okay. How did I get into writing? I I don't feel like I ever did anything else, honestly. Even as a as soon as I was uh, as soon as I could, I was learning to read. I learned to read and write really early. And from there came a, a hunger to figure out what to do with these with these words and learning to read. I was a big reader as a little girl um, and writing my own stories and writing my own little plays and making my own poems and songs. I think, yeah, I was a very creative child. Um, I think it was probably escapism. It didn't at, at all, it wasn't a career, it was something that I did. Um, and it's something that I do, it's something that I would do whether someone was paying me or not. <laughs> it is generally just what I do, it's my way of, um, of of trying to make sense of the world, trying to make sense of disappointment, trying to often pain and, and sadness and loss and grief. Um, and also, um, I'm a coward. <laughs> So often it's things I wish I'd said. You know that hindsight. You're like, oh, I would, that would have been really clever. Oh, I could have been so witty in that moment. And so you go and write a short story about it and um, and, and then put yourself being very witty in the st- short story, make it all <laughs> fiction. But I think a lot of writers write themselves in their work and pretend it's fiction. Uh-huh. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And how did you come more specifically to kind of poetry and sort of performance poetry? Well... So I just described sort of my childhood, if you can sort of imagine me with like my massive afro and my national health glasses. But then when we get when we get a bit older, we get into cigarettes and boys, and I found that I could actually trade poems for fags. Nice. So, wow. so that was me trying to monetize poetry at the age of sort of fourteen. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, so um, who was who was buying poetry, and what were they buying it fags. for? Well, I I mean, for fact, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I I sort of make that into a joke, <laughs> but it it's it's a little bit true. I did do a roaring trade at Valentine's Day, you know. Uh, <laughs> Steve, don't ever leave. Steve, don't ever leave. Like kind of, you know, and um, swapping, swapping fags around the bike sheds, and yeah, and I think it was also to make my friends laugh, mm-hmm. if you can imagine, sort of hanging out, drinking cider under Hastings Pier, and making up little songs, and noticing that, you know, and making my mates laugh. And I think a lot of it came from comedy, mm-hmm. which which probably explains why there's so much humour and and in my performance and live stuff and. And sort of finding the joy and and the jokes in very scary dark stuff mm-hmm. definitely comes from that probably um yeah i was kind of i kind of see myself as sort of the the clown in my in my sort of year at school like kind of messing around and regularly hyperactive yeah yeah so that yeah so yeah showing off around the bike sheds <laughs> is the short answer when did you start taking it from the bike sheds and onto what you might call a stage <laughs> Um, I think quite, uh, yeah, my first gigs were, my first gig was when I was 19, 
19 turning 20 around that era I moved to London um, and I had such big dreams and so, so much passion and ambition in those days I reckoned that my poems were songs and that I was going to become a pop star like Nana Cherry mm-hmm. Um, I had I didn't know that you could be a poet. That wasn't a job that seemed available to me, or at least you know, when <laughs> I went to the careers advice, they didn't show me a picture of Maya Angelou. You know mm. what I mean? I, this was very much something I learnt later and discovered later. Um, girls that looked like me, they could be hip hop girls. They could be like Nana Cherry, or you know, or um, you know, or X Ray Specs, or mm. you know, or something like that. I couldn't imagine. Um, that the the poetry and the more serious stuff would be considered literature or poetry. So I went more for the jokes, more for the humour, mm-hmm. and worked with music um, and made several albums and and toured those and and sort of went through the music route because I sort of thought that's where I belonged or I was seeking to belong mm-hmm. um, in that kind of thing, putting spoken word to music, um, working with Peter Coy with my band Salt Peter. Um, and we were called Selena. I was called Selena Saliva in those <laughs> days in the nineties. That was my punky name, uh-huh. Selena. Nice. My full, my full stage name was Selena Saliva, Gloopy Godiva, God bless, God damn God. Wow, polystyrene. That is what I wanted to be called. That is what I wanted to be called. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted people. You know, in the old-fashioned theatres, I wanted people to run out of letters when they put it up on the uh-huh. on the Saturday night. Uh, yeah, Selena yeah, Saliva, yeah. Gloopy Godiva, God bless, God damn God. <laughs> like I thought that, but of course that didn't stick and what did stick was Selena saliva um but I've got so many people to be thankful for and so many people did give me a break and and did give me a chance um early early um dalliances and and gigs were with like people like Jock Scott um and Murray Lachlan Young Mm -hmm. and Zena Mm -hmm. Edwards and there was a a real thriving scene in the 90s um and then my first sort of famousy thing was working with Cold Cut um, and and going on tour with them and being on the Let Us Play um, and Let Us Replay albums and I got to go to Japan and all over Europe and and that was very exciting. It was like me and sort of twelve men on a bus <laughs> just having the best time. Still swapping facts time for poetry. Still swapping, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'll do a poem and they gave me Jack Daniels. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally, nothing changed. Um, yeah, so so yeah, so I just kept going. Really, I'm yeah. My, I mean, my my friend said I'm like a mountain goat, just sort of keep going against all weather. But I suppose it's not very flattering, but it's true. <laughs> just kept going, even though there's like hailstorms and and a million reasons to quit. I just am not a quitter, mm. you know. Yeah. And you've kind of come on to sort of gone on to become one of the kind of grandies of the poetry scene, really. Like, and and obviously, like you were saying, kind of there was this huge scene in the nineties, and and I, obviously now, kind of the, there have been sort of there's this kind of we've sort of seen a bit of a kind of a revival or a sort of a, a renewed mainstream interest in poetry. How have you seen the scene change since you've been involved with it? Oh, it's it's just so exciting. I am so excited. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I get quite like it's like amazing. <laughs> it's like the things that are happening with poetry now. The young poets just really smashing it. It's just brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, getting like <laughs> I don't know. It's just like um, like you know when I was uh, sort of nineteen, twenty, 
and like young Kay Tempest, everyone was like, you don't stand a chance, no one, no one cares about poetry, and poetry was like the poor cousin at the wedding of art. <laughs> so like poetry was like the hula yeah. hoop girl. Poetry was like juggling poi or something. It was like, oh, there's poetry. Like, Sorry, I'm just doing a poem. It's like you're doing embarrassing juggling. Or something like mime. Oh, no. But, um, Any uh, mime artist <laughs> listening, we apologise. For- <laughs> I'm, I'm, complete, I'm completely just joking. I'm just joking. But, it, yeah, it was, you know, and just look where we are now. And just amazing young people just revolutionising it, taking control of it, being the boss, owning it, you know, really using the tools and confidence and, oh, it's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think it's Aww. brilliant. Oh. <laughs> and and wow. for listeners, that that is, you are a little bit choked up saying that. This is... <laughs> Oh, this is so nice. Oh, wow. well, we we are recording the day or two days after Joelle Taylor won the T.S. Eliot Award. Yes. Fuck yes. Which I've, I've oh everyone I have seen on social media talking about it. Like, Joelle is our girl. Yeah. Like, she is encouraged yeah. and pushed I mean, and enthused and validated so many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not just yeah. that, yeah, fuck yes, it's the just... poet that we all know, but it's like, she, she yeah. has boosted the scene I felt like I won when she wins when she wins I feel like I'm winning it's it's amazing really cool it's just been the most amazing time in poetry this these last couple of days I mean obviously not just you know the last few years but particularly it's just been so beautiful to see see everybody happy about that news seems to be yeah and just so so many powerful powerful new voices and powerful beautiful you know people just in their just in their power um you know i mean when i was sort of 19 20 21 around that age and just starting out we make our own um, flyers and with glue and cut and paste and make our own little zines and i kind of feel that diy spirit is very alive Mm. again now Mm. although it's electronic and it's in the phone and it's social media it is very much that same i'll make it myself i'll roll up my sleeves and do it myself and people making their making things making events making even if the event is just like an insta live as opposed Mm. to in a room particularly in covid yeah. and in uh, the pandemic and everything oh, just honestly it's just been i think i think poetry's like just kept me sane <laughs> um books <laughs> literature writing arts artists have just kept me sane in in this last two years mm. just mm. if you can make work whilst you know whilst all of my, the whole world is quite literally on fire <laughs> and and just it's a revolutionary act to be um so hopeful and to mm. share that hope, and I love it. Yeah, that DIY spirit has definitely carried on, hasn't it? And I think yeah. the way that it adapted so quickly as well to the change in our world with the pandemic was just, you couldn't move for <laughs> events going on online when it first happened. It was very, str- it was amazing. And it fills me with hope that when we have normality in whatever form that is again, there's absolutely no way it's all going to crumble and go away. We, we, mm. it mm. will still be there. 
Well, it's made yeah. it really accessible too, hasn't mm. it? For people with disabilities or people who are just skint and broke yeah. and can't make it to, to gigs to make it. I really, really want them to keep making gigs hybrid yeah. so people all over the country or indeed all over the world can watch a gig as well as the people that can get to the pub yeah. or the little mm. venue or whatever. I think it's just smart. It's just really clever. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just to, Yeah, it's just amazing. Um, and I do yeah. think probably poets are some of probably the only people I know during the pandemic who have made more connections <laughs> during the pandemic. Like, yes, you know, it's been shit and lonely. We've been inside. But actually, I do. I have kind of, quote unquote, met Lots more people, people during the pandemic. And I feel like outside of poetry, I don't know that many people who've had that experience. Mm. during Yeah, the pandemic. I think book book Twitter and um, mm. Bookstagram and all the sort of writers and book people and poetry people and publishers and, and all of that community it's just yeah I mean it's just been so positive and um and so supportive of each other and I've seen people when they've all got their book coming out the same month all helping and and tweeting about each other's books to back each other and doing events together and it's just yeah it's fantastic yeah fantastic yeah really good awesome yeah and sorry i'm like i'm like this big ball of like hopeful <laughs> positive <laughs> like you know i just yeah i just really yeah i just feel really happy at the moment oh. i just really yeah ah <laughs> oh, it's happy That's to good. Hear. we like that it's good to hear you know it makes a change yeah, we love it when yeah. our guests come on and cry because they're happy not because, <laughs> not because of something we've done that's what we aim for that's the minimum bar you've come from this background of both musical performance and performance poetry how how have these different genres and influences fed into your experience of writing the have they fed into writing the novel okay so this is interesting i i i make work and as i'm making it i kind of don't know what it's going to be I know this is going to sound incredibly pretentious, but it kind of tells me what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's not like I wake up and go, oh, I'm going to write a poem. <laughs> I just sort of write and then the form starts to take shape and then I'll notice that, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards mirroring, you know, making choruses or making rhymes or not or making it more flat or, you know... But having said that, once um, once when I was writing Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death, I had a lot of um, a lot of time switching the forms and playing with the the way that it looked on the on the page and the way that I wanted the reader to look. I kind of want the reader to do a little bit of work mm. when they read Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. So some pieces that started off as prose became poems, and some that started off as song became prose, became newspaper articles, diary writing, and different styles of writing. But some of them did not begin like that, and I switched them. Mm. For the really, for example, the really serious um, one, um, about the prison and the um, and the the terrible story, terrible tragedy. Um, I wanted that started as a newspaper article of a very real, factual, incredibly horrible death, and then I um, um, made that into a poem because I wanted Sarah Reed to have that breath. It occurred to me that when you read a poem, you just might slow down mm. and you just might take a breath. Your brain will tell you it's a poem on a page and and you just go slower and you just take it in differently to how you would if it was prose and just block writing. 
um, but that is basically um, a chopped up kind of like William Burroughs kind of chopped mm. up sort of punk kind of newspaper article made into a poem. So some of them I really did that to make the reader do come up, meet me halfway and do some of the work with me. Um, but I, th- I think um, I think because because I didn't really feel like I f- I fit in anywhere. So I, I I like writing, all kinds of writing, don't I? From essay to poetry to memoir. I like playing with different styles and, and don't just have like one trick up my sleeve. I think it's because of that, because you, you go, like my mum's got this amazing saying, go where the love is, like go where the love is. And so I've often done that and gone, so if if I'm getting a lot of poetry work, I'll do that. Or if a project comes up like the good immigrant then i'm suddenly doing essay work and you know and, and so i go go where the love is go i'm very easily led like that very suggestible and easily <laughs> led i probably shouldn't admit that but it's really true like we'll be driving in a car and there'll be a picture of a haagen and five uh-huh. minutes later i'll be like oh really fancy okay. ice cream and and like you know and it's i'm ridiculous like that so um yeah. so the next question so is that. what your what's your pin number um, <laughs> um, no. So the next question, in more, more seriousness, is um, I guess if if, it, if you're talking about this leading you, how did you, how how were you led towards Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death specifically? Like, well, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death was a was a body of work, a, a novel that I was working on for, oh, I mean, almost ten years. Wow. And building it up and working on it in secret behind my own back mm-hmm. and behind the back of paying jobs. Mm. So it would be the thing I was working on, which no one had asked me to bloody write and no one was paying me <laughs> to do. And I didn't have an agent and I didn't have a publisher, but it was the thing I'd, you know, I'd sit down and have this deadline for this thing to write and just have like, you know, when you've got no, you're just like, oh, I'm mm. bothered. I don't want to write the thing that there was, and then you just go. I'm going to work on my secret <laughs> thing. So it was, it was, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death was the secret project that I was working on, whilst working on everything else that you know, like Livewire mm. and the Good Immigrant and everything else that was happening. Um, um, yeah. So, so from that, it means that it was a piece that came from pleasure and a piece that came because it was something I wanted to write. Mm. But every single time I'd sort of forget about it. Oh, I remember your question now. Yeah. Every single time I'd forget about it, it's something, oh, so many coincidences, so many moments of serendipity, um, so many little thing nudges would nudge me back into the work. Every single time I tried to give up, I'd have like crazy dreams or um, visions mm. or um, uh, I got the opportunity to go and stay in the tower, Bill Drummond's mm. tower yeah. in Cushendor in Northern Ireland. And that seemed to be leading me to write, you know, this sort of theme of towers and and all of that. And the, and the day I turned up at, at Cushendor yeah. was the 30th anniversary of the um, murder of the of the uh, the hitchhiker. OK. And it was on the front page of the local newspaper and the tower was really close to the forest where her body was found. Mm. So that led me into writing about Inga Maria Hauser and that story. So it was just, I went to the little local library. Obviously, I didn't pack enough books. <laughs> you never do, do you? So I joined the little library while I was there for the month and um, it was only open two days <laughs> a week. And I, go, I went and made friends with a librarian and... And there it was on the on the schedule, the newspapers on the table, the local paper, and every pay every newspaper was like this. 
Inga Maria Hauser. So then I started doing loads of research mm. into that disappearance and a terrible tragedy. And it just felt too strange that I was there yeah. for the anniversary. Um, and, and, so, and, and so I went to the forest to the site where she was found. And sometimes when I was writing this book, I felt like a crime writer. Mm. I think I'd like to be a crime writer when I grow up. and there was um a bbc documentary bbc radio 4 documentary you did at the same time as as um writing this book sort of about the process of writing the book and i kind of i finished the book and then tracked down that documentary and it was very strange having just read wolf writing about being in the in the (laughs) tower to then hear you recording (laughs) from the tower and hearing that echo and the sea i wondered how you found that experience of like talking about the process as you were in it Mm. i think people find it easy to talk about their process afterwards when the thing is made but that in in the time strikes me as quite a challenge again this is i think it's just evidence of my fearlessness i would never i would never want to do that (laughs) (laughs) if someone said to me it's only in past tense i'm horrified that i did that um when i say horrified i mean just terrified it just gives me anxiety even thinking about it but at that time i didn't have a publishing deal and i didn't have an agent i didn't even think anyone would ever read it to be honest or anyone would even see this this novel so um so they i worked with uh, radio 4 for a year and let them come down to the studio it's during the writing of the book i worked very closely with my friend peter coit and we made songs out of lines from the book and we've got like a whole album sitting there yeah. um which i still don't really know what to do with um again you know i you know you never know what's what's going to happen next with me hmm. it's it's always it's just, it's almost like someone else has written the schedule i just go along with the universe really um, <laughs> So, yeah, but we made these beautiful songs. And so Radio 4 came and recorded us uh, jamming and, and, and writing the music. And I'm, I, we did four gigs together with that, with the music, with the with the text. Um, and, of course, this would have been, like, the first and early drafts of the book. Mm. So, yeah, that was very vulnerable. I felt very vulnerable, but also empowered in that. Um, and to hear it on Radio 4, I mean, it gave me encouragement to go and seek um an agent and a publishing deal mm. perhaps if i hadn't done that bbc thing mm. and said on national radio <laughs> i'm <laughs> writing about mrs death it might not have been so motivated perhaps you know mm. so it, it, what came first the chicken or yeah. the egg you know it kind of it's kind of it's a lovely thing in that um but yeah maybe may, i would really like to share the songs that i wrote with peter someday um so that's 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 in the bank <laughs> waiting to be shared um yeah it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing isn't it there's never an end it's always ongoing yeah yeah no i that would be really amazing to hear those songs because i reading it like because you know things are set out within the novel as songs and i think yeah the idea that that, that then that could go and exist in the real world sounds it was all part of um it was all part of writing it so i i would kind of eat like mrs death and dress like mrs death and (laughs) think think like try and you know i wanted to be so much of the book was composed on the lips walking and recording and singing into my phone Um, and talking into my phone. I mean, it must be quite creepy for the neighbours just seeing me going, I am dead and I am here walking around the park in a circle. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? A lot of the book was written like that. 
and then, <laughs> and then I'd go home and type it up like that. So a lot of it was was that, and so those songs were part of that. Like what would she like, Mrs. Death lullabies, and if Mrs. Death was sitting on the end of your bed, like how would she sing to you, and things like that. And yeah, I just really, really tried to embody it. Um, and 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 get in there, yeah. Well, I've got a live wire on the big double vinyl, so I'm hoping it's some, something equally as like beautiful for the for those songs when they come out. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I loved making that live wire album. I made it here in this room that you Did can you? see now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I produced that on my own, just sat here going. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, sorry. This is radio. That was me pushing buttons and. It was. It was. <laughs> Not that I make a weird mouse noise when I'm like... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the sound of producing, right? I've done this before. Yeah. Well, again, um, I was going to ask about the audiobook version, but um, I was disappointed that it didn't have the little mouse noise in it, actually. Um, oh, <laughs> we did toy with the idea. We did toy with the idea of putting um, a piece of music on there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we 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 change. We're saving it. The music when the moment will feel right when it mm-hmm. feels right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, it might be too. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's almost like you can be too much. Mm-hmm. And if I'd gone blasting into the world with a with you know here's the theme tune uh-huh. and here's the book and <laughs> here's the pictures and here's a you know it, people <laughs> might just go oh it's too much you're too much. And I've made and the fan maybe that's just me just having and... yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, and I've done the picture Here's of my Mrs. Mood Death. Board of done... death. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. So so I hold some things back in reserve sometimes. Although although I must admit that's one hundred percent the opposite of my personality. Mm. I feel like going in with all the things yeah. just going. <laughs> 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 and on the audiobook note, um me and Laurie both uh yeah, I think Laurie, were you read, reading it and listening to the audiobook? I listened to it I and am... then um, got kindly sent a copy of it from your publishers, which was lovely. We we don't usually Excellent. have that, so that was very lovely. Um, <laughs> yes. But it's interesting because you were talking about layout and how important layout has been in it, but it's also been beautiful listening to it. It's, I'm sure Hannah would agree. Yeah, I've been last minute brigade and uh, catching up with the audiobook version. But I was wondering if if you could tell us a bit about that process because I know some people who have absolutely hated reading out their books or have just found themselves staring at things, going, "Shoot, I would have done that differently." Or yeah, how do you feel like the perf- coming to it from a performance angle helped that? Ah, uh-huh. well, I really, I really enjoyed doing the audiobook. It was um, one of my favourite parts of the process. I'm very at home and very comfortable in a studio and using microphones and everything. So that was a gift and, 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 and I was really happy about that. Um, also, because I'd done so much of the writing, walking and saying it out loud mm. and, and saying it over and over again and the voice was very solid in my head. Um, yeah so that yeah i really i really enjoyed making the audiobook it, t- it didn't take long at all it's not very long is it it's only about six yeah. hours um but it took about three days to make it um because you know i wanted to get it right mm. um as or as, as good do uh, as good a job as i could i mean but um yeah i i, I really enjoyed the, making the audiobook and uh and of course it was recorded in 2020 so it's literally the first time i'd left the house in ages <laughs> i was well excited <laughs> <laughs> I got to go in a taxi oh, wow. and I got to go in a studio. Uh-huh. It was really exciting. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a diff- being locked in a room in a different way, being in a studio, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, as we said, the, the book has been out for quite a while now. It's coming out in paperback this month. Um, but how have you found the reception that it's it's received? What's it been like to have it out in the world? It has blown my tiny, tiny mind. <laughs> it has blown my mind. It's It's just been phenomenal. It's been beyond my wildest dreams. Absolutely stunning. Can't believe it. Mental. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like I still feel like I'm in some weird TV show that's not, and I'm just watching myself. And yeah, no, it feels very, very surreal. The most beautiful thing is uh, the way people have responded to the last pages, and uh, mm. I've been really touched, moved, honoured um, with uh, some of the messages. And some of the things I've seen, people have been writing to me privately and sending me photographs of their last page. And mm. is the last the last six pages are blank for people to put their memories or of people they've lost or people that came to their mind when they were reading the book. Um, obviously, I didn't write this book for a pandemic I didn't <laughs> know was coming. Yeah. I wrote this book for the pandemic mm. that was already here, the pandemic of violence, pandemic of apathy, pandemic of, you know... Anyway, um, but um, um, yeah, so it's just been extraordinary. The number of people that are sending me um, pictures. They've made like the back of the book with photographs and poems and names. And, mm-hmm. and that's just so, that's just been really, really, it's almost like um, I get to go on, continue the journey with them. Or mm-hmm. they ask me, invite me, in fact, to go on, continue the journey with them. And that that's just been yeah, really touching and really and really mm. made me realise why I why I spent so much time in the in the morning place, you know, writing about grief and the language of grief. Um and then of course on a on a more cheerful note, if you like, um the the, the friends I've made uh, with the positive death community or death positive movement, um, have just met all these incredible people like death doulas and death workers and amazing people that make do alternative funerals mm. and people that do um you know one um, amazing woman called Kaz wrote to me and said she listened to the audio but whilst weaving coffins and just the idea of like weaving coffins and my voice weaving into her coffins wow. and, and so just amazing and then there's the queer death stories oh and the positive uh, positive death libraries as well so this this is a whole world i knew nothing of when i um started writing this book or whilst i was writing this book um yeah the book's been out for a year it, the hardback came out january 2021 and then the paperback's out um next thursday mm-hmm. um so that will be a whole 12 months of this whole new revolutionary conversation going on mm. i'm just a small part in it but there's just there's, it's just there's so much going on i mean with all the things that are going on with the pandemic i think it's important that we look at the way we're talking that we look the way we're not talking rather the language we use the words we don't use mm. the way we share i i because i've been writing this book i've noticed a a kind of a constant um procession of unsaid, unburied, unrejoiced, unspoken, mm. unmarked deaths. And it's it's just been, you know, you've got all the politics and all the Brexit and all of this going on on your Twitter. But then every other post there's, I lost my nan, I lost mm. my gran, I lost my dad, I lost, you know. This, and this has been going on for months now, yeah. you know. Sure. So, yeah, I think we just need to, everyone, I think the whole 
planet needs counselling, like grief counselling. I think everyone needs a hug. Yeah. If it wasn't so dangerous. <laughs> it's been a very weird experience of, I mean, we've all talked, the three of us have talked on the podcast before, we lost a friend in the, well, we've lost a few friends in the poetry community in the last year, um, mm-hmm. including Dean McKee, who's 28, um, from COVID, which was, uh, and, you know, I think the other, the other two, my co-hosts would agree that we kind of almost we haven't been able to not talk about it we have been able to talk about it but we haven't been able to market as we usually would and right. that's been mm-hmm. a really difficult thing for all of us to be dealing with yeah. mm. rituals so important mm. the rituals of that that's the thing that with the pandemic and with all the lockdowns is is the importance of the, the importance of rituals so whether yeah. it was christenings or weddings or funerals or birthdays unmarked mm. and you know mm. joyous things as well as funerals you know it's it's been yeah it's been so strange not to mark life's rituals yeah. life's changes mm. life's celebrations yeah because so i'm i'm an i really love parties <laughs> <laughs> i really no <laughs> i really love parties i really love like dancing and music and rum and the bike sheds and, and the fags yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and you take all that away it's just work 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 where is the fun in that mm. yeah mm. yeah yeah for sure that's the whole that was the whole thing with gigs and and performing and doing tours and things all the really good fun you have backstage mm. i've really missed all that but, but you know we've been having to like perform to a laptop and then snap yeah. the thing shut and then you're just sitting there in your dress <laughs> having a rum in your kitchen it's, weird, it's so it? strange <laughs> yeah yeah the first time it's like oh this is quite nice i'm home Novel. now i don't have to get on the yeah. tube for an hour and then yeah. i feel like oh i sort of i missed the chat Where yeah is the chat? I find it really inspiring as well, the random conversations yeah. and spontaneously bumping into people that you hadn't thought of or hadn't seen for ages. Because mm. not everyone is on no. social media, not everyone's on their phone, mm. and not everyone is, you know, there's so many, yeah, so many lost connections. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. And yeah, we are talking about the poetry community earlier and being, being very kind of DIY and, uh, and indie. Um, obviously, the the Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death is a is been in a, every bookshop I've been into in the last two years. So, how was the experience of kind of working with a more uh, mainstream kind of publisher been for you on this? Well, that's uh, yeah. I mean, again, I don't take anything for granted. I don't take a single second of any of it for granted. That people want to read it. That people want to stock it seeing my book in a bookshop window are you kidding me it's just absolutely i saw it in whitstable on in the big no. display and then the other day in foils on the little run by the um staircase like i've yeah, seen it everywhere it's just that's just amazing every single time someone sends me a photo i'm just beside myself my excitement and um enthusiasm is not in any way fake it's uh, i think it's because like everything i've ever done all my albums and all my books and pamphlets and everything I've done, I've very much pushed it myself, yeah. you know, going up and down the country with a suitcase full of books, jumping off stage, mm-hmm. selling them to people, um, roaming around like that, going into going around bookshops, begging them to stock or, or asking them if I can do some poems and will they take five and just put them in the poetry section, you know, just it's it's, you know, it's been a, you know, it's been 
you know a long time this year marks 30 years i've been doing poetry that's a really long time to wait to see your book in a bookshop and (laughs) see it in a bookshop window it's a really long time so so yeah so when i'm like on twitter and everything going it's completely like 100 percent genuine i'm not like being a weirdo (laughs) although i am a weirdo obviously a massive weirdo (laughs) all poets are weirdos well don't tell anyone that's the secret (laughs) there i go again (laughs) spilling the beans (laughs) inside a gospel you there that's our writing tip for this month (laughs) Uh, speaking of which um one thing we like to ask all of our guests is do you have a writing tip or a prompt that you would like to share with our listeners i've got lots of writing advice um and lots of things that i would share and i was thinking that you might ask me this (laughs) but you know what i think the best advice i could give is don't take any advice (laughs) 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 no take all advice with a pinch of salt because nobody knows your path and nobody knows what you're aiming to do or what you're going to achieve nobody has any idea um you know and 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 so many um, poets have been underestimated and then they go on to do something grand and everyone's like oh I always like them it's like well you actually didn't and so I think it's really important to just listen to yourself do what you want to do be the big monster you want to be in your own time and in your own way do your lifetime in your own lifetime I think it's a yeah very very frustrating there's there's a lot of room in poetry there's this strange idea that that, that there's only so much pie I always get very confused Mm. about this idea of there's only so much Mm. pie and and so people are quite strange about that there's there's unlimited pie Yeah, there's unlimited pie. Everyone is allowed pie. Bring it on. Bring your poems. The more voices, the better. Um, and don't rest, you know. People that are making the world a terrible place, they never rest. So poets shouldn't rest either. <laughs> pie goes to infinite decimal places, everyone. That's what we've learned. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's really fucking good. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> Selena, are you going to be at Jake Wildhall's birthday gig on the 24th of March? I am. Yes. I am. Yes. Have you seen the lineup? The lineup it's so written. fucking good. It's <laughs> ridiculous. So good. It's ridiculous. I can't wait to see every single person there. That's going to be amazing. Good. <laughs> we'll see you Yay. there. <laughs> yes. And there are, uh, for listeners, there are still tickets available, so do check that out on our social media. There are when we're recording. Who knows by the time this goes out? Who knows if they'll still be there, but yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So before we wrap up, was there anything you wanted to plug? No, um, just, yeah, keep listening to Dead Darlings podcast. It's brilliant. (laughs) Keep reading Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death by Selena Gordon out on Cannon Gate in paperback now. (laughs) Yes, also brilliant. And buy Livewire <laughs> and all you. her records and everything else. Pessimism is for lightweights. It is on Rough Trade Books. It is. Yeah, yeah cool. it is. Uh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you thank so you. much for having me. I've had such a lovely chat with you. Thank you. This month's book is Hera Lindsay Bird by Hera Lindsay Bird. Good title. And it's chosen by Rebecca. Rebecca, why did you choose this eponymous book? I chose this eponymous book because I think I read it probably 
just before we started this podcast, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just before I started regularly reading and tearing apart poetry books <laughs> with you guys. Uh-huh. Not tearing tear apart, but like analysing. We do, we do tear them apart. Oh, yeah, that's like, that's well, our you know, job. Uh, but in a good way, like tearing into a really good vegan pie, right? Vivisection. We yeah. tear into it in a, in, a, in a ravenous, appreciative way. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was kind of curious to kind of come back to it and sort of say, oh, you know, what do you guys make of it? You know, what do I think mm. of it? Kind of a couple of years down the line, that sort of thing. So I should do a full disclosure that I already read the book as well, probably around the same time, ah. maybe 20, I want to say 2018, I think it came out. I couldn't believe this looking back at the book. It came out originally the New Zealand pressing in 2016. So it's six years old now, Rebecca. Could oh, you believe wow. that? No, I didn't realise that at all. Yeah. But then also, I don't realise how old I am. Oh, <laughs> how long ago? And Hannah, it's your first time reading it the book. It is my first time reading in the book. And full disclosure, I got up to page 70 in a chaotic fashion, and it is 111 pages long. Um, Mate, page 70, it all goes great after that. <laughs> I mean, I sort of think in a chaotic fashion is a good way to read this book. Like, in a chaotic fashion is a great way to read this book. Like, I feel like like it is so much book. of it feels... <laughs> right? Like, it, a lot of it feels like your very drunk friend is sort of holding force. Like, mm. it's written in that style, and you kind of almost are just like, this is just, what is this? And then you realise, oh, that's a really good image, or that's a really good image. But it's like mm. they're being fucking fired at you uh-huh. repeatedly yes. by somebody yeah. who's not very focused at this point and is just dropping no. the stuff and they're moving on very quickly. It's the dead opposite of what we were saying earlier in the episode about wanting to keep poems to four lines long. Hero Lindsay Bird doesn't do that. Hero Lindsay Bird avalanches you with imagery yeah. and ideas. That was a taster for our book club mini episode, which will be out later this month, wherever you get your podcasts or wherever you got this podcast. Now it's time for the notice board, where we spotlight 10 or so opportunities to look out for where you can perform your work or submit it for publication and also just things we think are cool. Rebecca, what have you got for us? Uh, I've just got my has become my semi-regular reminder as this month february as this podcast goes out uh will be the verve poetry festival from the 16th to the 21st i think it is or 16th to the 20th of february and it's in birmingham and i've got lots of tickets to things come to verve and be friends with me if you're going come and say <laughs> hi i am very much looking forward to being out performing and watching things and going to workshops and meeting poets i'm so excited about just all the poetry people i'm going to get to interact with uh i'm going to be very weird and unhinged i'm sure in in the way i come across talking to these people rebecca's going to be wearing a badge that says i am rebecca cooney from dead darling's (laughs) podcast please be my friend for anybody who's wondering what rebecca looks like in visual form not just oh yeah yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just I'll probably just be the person that's grinning like a, like a very kind of vacant puppy in human form um, at everybody. I think there could be lots of that at that festival. Yeah, this is true. Um, but yes, no, very very excited about that. So yes, aside from just ah verve and i'm my overexcitement. uh so we've also got i've also got a uh, dear reader is a website which is a spin-off of an open mic in worcester called dear listener and uh, they do submissions uh for poetry on the website on a rolling basis um they accept submissions of flash fiction uh prose poetry 
and uh, alongside this they also accept reviews of poetry chat books and collections as well uh, work can be on any subject uh, with the usual caveats they put in about like not being a dickhead or being racist or any of the isms or obias uh, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing but basically don't be a dickhead Optimism. those usual rules um, yeah flash fiction uh, between 300 and 500 words poems of no more than two A4 pages so that's that's the limit they've come looking up at with. you here Lindsay Burke <laughs> <laughs> looking at me and Hannah and our oh maybe we could join those lines together and then it yeah, would be yeah, yeah. Solid luck done. <laughs> justify yep <laughs> so all uh submissions should be emailed to charlie and talis at dearreadersubmissions at gmail.com more info about that and all the kind of proper submissions guidelines at dearreaderpoetry.com um and then the last thing from me, the 2022 Creative Futures Writers Award competition opened on the 13th of January and that's open until the 22nd of May this year. Uh, the theme this year, they say, is how it started. Uh, they said the work should respond to the theme implicitly or explicitly, but they're looking for quality of writing first and foremost. So the theme is a prompt, not a requirement. They just want your best work, apparently. Um, you should submit one piece of writing in one category or one in each of the categories, prose or fiction. Um and uh, poetry is maximum 50 lines fiction maximum 2000 words cash prize is starting at 100 pounds but actually i thought the best bit of these uh the prizes were things there's lots of mentoring opportunities and access to courses which looked really really good so for more information on that go to creativefuture.org.uk um hannah what have you got for us so insight uh spelled as in inside a riot um the queer spoken word night that i host is having an in-person event. I'm going to see people and find out how tall they are and everything. Um, So this is hopefully going to be a hybrid event, but I want to test that the tech works before I can promise that at all. But it's happening on the 19th of February, which is a Saturday uh, afternoon at the Apple Trees Pop-Up. It's a queer pub, but they're having renovations. They've now got a pop-up venue um, in Clerkenwell. And that is on the 19th of February. It's um, going to have a variety of acts. Uh, There are quite a few people booked and there are a few more people to be booked. But it is a queer spoken word night afternoon. Um, Having said the word queer multiple times, straights are extremely welcome in the audience. In fact, I would encourage you that it is a fantastic act of allyship to turn up and listen. Um... But yeah, we're going to be trying to do some more in person, maybe like once a quarter type thing as as a weird mix because over lockdown it's grown hugely, but then a lot of the regulars are from outside of London. So we don't want to lose them or stop having the cool thing that we've got. So we're, yeah, testing our toes in the water. But also I am dead excited about seeing humans and doing the thing in person where you can hear the applause because not people aren't muted um and so you can if you go to facebook uh dot com forward slash insight poetry um you should be able to find out all the details uh or go to the forum plus website so that's forum plus spell out plus dot org dot uk um because they are the lgbt charity what sponsors it other things are um there is i've spotted the 2022 international book and pamphlet competition which is run by a website called poetrybusiness.co.uk forward slash competitions forward slash find it there um this is for a collection of 20 pages of poetry and the winners will get some monies but also publication 
um, including some editing. So yeah, that, that looks like an awesome fang. The deadline is the 1st of March. So you've got a little while to put your best pieces together and give that a shot. Thing I think again, that Rachel Long is editing it. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the Arts Council has a grant called De- Developing Your Creative Practice, which is specifically not for I want this project to come to fruition. It is more about craft. Um, applications, uh, I don't know if they've opened yet, but they, they will open very soon and they will close on the 15th of March. That is the Ides of March, if you are into your Shakespeare <laughs> references. Um, and you can ask for between two and ten grand for up to one year for an early to midpoint uh, creative who needs some support to make a major change or to carry out a period of focused development work, it says. And I have not got my ADHD asked together to fill out that form yet, but I'm considering <laughs> it. And it's a really cool thing. I have seen a few people I like go for it and get it. Mm. So worth a shot. Woo. Yeah, I've seen people get that as well. Um, I think they do it on a rolling basis and they kind of release some of the funding, kind of people find out together, or not mm, together, there's but little, like, people, groups. Yeah. Yeah. multiple people find out at once. Yeah, um, and you sometimes see it flare up of, oh my God, I got it, I got it, I got it. And you don't see the people who didn't get it um, the who didn't posting get about it. it but yeah. hey, <laughs> yeah. it does seem to come to something. So that's nice. Yeah. Cool. I've got, there is a new poetry night starting Ooh. in London. Um, mm-hmm. starting by former guest of the show Tyrone Lewis um, it's called Process Open Mic and that's going to be starting in February uh, on the 22nd of February which is Tyrone's birthday <laughs> um, and that is at Sub-Zero in Hackney it's called Process Open Mic uh, it's open mic and they've got features um, as well this month the features are L. Dylan Reams who we talk about at the beginning of the show and the Repeat Beat Poet um, who also has a pamphlet coming out soon on Verve. That's exciting. Um, which I think is called A Testament to Life and Death, and I'm not quite sure exactly when it's out, but it's pretty sh- pretty soon. Um, and so that's two great Verve poets um, on one bill, mm. definitely worth checking out. And it's Tyrone's birthday, so you can say happy birthday to him. Over at Ink, Sweat and Tears, the editor Helen Ivory is currently taking submissions, um, and they are taking submissions of four to six poems at a time and the full de- details are on the website if you get through you get your poems published on their website they've had some cool authors over the years they've had um jay bernard um published a pamphlet with them a couple of years ago um and then went on to win all sorts of prizes so they're a cool website uh, run by helen ivory and martin figura i think um and the website is ink sweat and tears.co.uk also well, I've got on my list uh, Apples and Snakes Red Sky Sessions mm. are back again every Wednesday in March you've probably heard us talk about this before yeah. but it's a series of online workshops um, led by incredible poets there's uh, no upper age limit it's all online and it's all free which is great and this time the programme is being led by Cecilia Knapp um, who is I want to say Young Persons Laureate for London I can't remember but Cecilia is an awesome poet that's all you need to know um and they've got a list of brilliant guest tutors they've got rachel long again coming back uh, who ran the program last time they've got laurie bolger who's a great poet uh, vanessa kazule amy aker and reese lyons um you can register and find out more at applesandsnakes.org 
I want to do a couple of other quick ones if that's all yeah, right, go guys. For it. Um, firstly, I just want to point out that if you live in London, Foils the Bookshop uh, in Charing Cross currently has a massive sale on in their poetry section. Um, there's a whole bookcase just of discounted poetry books. I went in and bought a bunch of them the other day. So I really recommend checking that out if you get a chance. Also, we talked earlier about the T.S. Eliot Poetry Prize. Um, over on the BBC on Radio 3 or BBC Sounds, um, you can listen on Catch Up. They had a special episode um, just about the T.S. Eliot Prize where they have not the full performances from every poet who performed, but um, one or two poet, poems per poet um, put together in a kind of compilation that's about 45 minutes long. Um, and it's really cool. It's definitely worth listening to. Has Joel on there um, and all the other poets who were shortlisted as well. So I really recommend giving that a listen um, if you haven't before. Also, we should plug <laughs> ourselves because we have something new. We have Yay. what is known in the trade as a coffee page Ooh. as of today when I set it up. Um, Ooh, coffee, coffee, which coffee. we don't really, <laughs> Hannah's literally just grabbed the mug <laughs> it's not that kind of coffee well it kind of is um, if you would like to support our show you can um, support us financially by giving us some money if you would like to absolutely no obligation nope. to uh, over at our coffee page um, and you can donate there anything that you might like to donate if you like listening to the show and want to help us pay for our hosting costs and keep the show running it's not going anywhere but you know we spend money on uh, hosting yeah. books rebecca spends an incredible amount of time editing the show mm. which we don't get paid for microphone so um, we don't sound like so. we're inside a polystyrene cup <laughs> exactly those kind of things so if you'd like to um help support the show you can now do that over at coffee which is ko hyphen fi dot com straight dead darlings podcast in a moment we'll be sharing beth's poem with you but first is there anything you guys want to plug you can find me uh, laurie eves on facebook and instagram at laurie eves poet or on twitter at mr leaves my book biceps is out on burning eye books or in brick red cassette form on buried vinyl and you can pick up both versions of that from my website laurieves.com which is l-a-u-r-i-e-e-a-v-e-s.com and you can stream the audio version of biceps wherever you stream audio I am Hannah Chutzpah on all of the platforms. Um, you can find my website at hannahchutzpah.com. And if you go to the tab labelled shop, you can purchase uh, either my little pamphlet, uh, Sign My Citalopram, or you can buy my, uh, or you can buy Permeable, which is my full-length collection published by Burning Eye Books. And I need to get the fuck out of the house, so the more orders that mean that I need to get to the post office on my lunch break are extremely good for me. Get Hannah some fresh air. Yeah, you can read some heartwarming things about mental health and many other topics. Uh, bad poetry I was given when my cat died, how much I hate moving house, a game called Tetris. Shit, a game called Shithead Bingo for playing in hostile work environments where all of your colleagues' bad jokes tick off your, uh, uh, your Shithead Bingo card. Anywho... Uh, yes, you can purchase that because the shop is finally set up uh, at com, and then go to the shop tab. And the night that I host is called Insight 
uh, spelled as in inciting a riot. It is a queer night. Straight allies are extremely welcome in the audience. It's actively good allyship to come listen to what we have to say. Um, and that is running mostly online, but with one in-person night. So if you search for Insight Poetry on Facebook, you can find out more. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter and TikTok as at Rebecca K. Cooney. Uh, my website is RebeccaKCooney.wordpress.com. I'm on Instagram at any name but Becky. I'm on Facebook. I've had a lot of people add me that I don't know recently, and I don't know if it's because of this. I don't really tend to do friend requests on Facebook. So if but if you if you want to follow me on Facebook, it's Rebecca Cooney-Poet, that page. Um, just because I don't know you, but come and say hi to me at, at an event and then we'll be friends and that's yeah, fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah um if you can find the podcast on twitter and instagram at dead darlings pod facebook as dead darlings podcast and you can email us at dead darlings podcast at gmail.com uh you can also as laurie said donate to our coffee uh so ko fi so ko fi.com forward slash dead darlings podcast you absolutely don't have to, but it would be lovely if you wanted to just chuck us some money just to, to, to help us keep the audio lights on. Um, if you've liked what you heard, or, or if you don't want to do that, and if you've liked what you heard, you can uh, remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to help us spread the word. This month's poem of the month is by Beth Hartley, recorded live at the Poetry Graduation Party 2021, which was a joint book launch for poets who published a book during the pandemic, including Beth and her lovely collection, What If Stars. Before we share Beth's poem with you, I just want to say thank you to her for letting us showcase her work. Thank you to our guest, Selena Godden, my co-host, Laurie and Hannah, to Texas Radio for our theme music, and of course, to you for listening. Bye! Bye. Street, ladies and gentlemen, it's Beth. Hartley, who is launching What If Stars. I come from all points north, where the sea comes in, birds rise on the seam of water, air and land, where the sacred calls to me like intertwining lines, and I say bath, grass, me castle. I come from talking properly with everyone at the table, from hiding my anxiety behind 6.30 comedy on Radio 4. If nobody is watching, I can be eating. If you ask me how I know I'm a cutler, I'll say, I'm sorry, I have a clue. I come from a beard. His fears, those wayward pies, dropping notes, Drifting at night, mood indicated by music, relationship growing as I moved away. I come from her determination, her firmness, no vanity, from fabric cut and shaped around me, her hands that made the garden made a memory with mine. I come from childhood marked by strikes, hardships different to the ones I thought I was having, freedom to walk for miles, Kirby Lane and back home. I come from education as power, knowledge as strength, words to cross and parry in the forest of this life. I come from strong women and worthy men, Helen Sandbank, Rock and Fenn. I come from days spent dreaming of a life I could be writing, never guessing it was waiting in a neighbourhood of slums.